0: So a few weeks ago, this gentleman from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints came to my door and knocked on it and decided uh, I would talk to him for some reason. Uh, that's really out of my character. Usually when people come to my door, I told them I'm not interested. Uh, and I really wasn't interested in the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but for some reason I decided I would have a conversation with them. And, uh, it, It became really clear that he didn't really want to have a conversation with me as much as he wanted to share a Bible lesson with me. And so he did, Uh, and uh, when it became clear to him that I had a biblical knowledge, he asked me, where do you worship? And I said, everywhere that I am. And I could tell that that was not the answer that he was looking for, and he goes, no, where do you go to church? And I said, well, I, we are the church. This is the church right here on my front porch, you and me. And, and I said, I, it's not that we go to church. We are the church, right? And I, I said, I, but I get what you're talking about. I said, I, said, uh, I, I attend Argyle Church of Christ. And, and then I asked him, I said, where do you worship? And he told me the name of his church. <laughs> so it was obvious that we were having a conversation and we were not on the same page. Like, we were we were talking to each other, but we were not communicating very well. When Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman by the well, it seemed that their conversation was uh, kind of on a different level. She was wrapped up in the physical, and he was uh, focused on the spiritual. And... Uh, when it came to the topic of where do you worship, uh, her question was, where is the proper place to worship? And kind of like uh, <laughs> the guy who came to my porch and asked, where do you worship? Um, and Jesus revealed a couple of amazing things. First of all, he revealed to a Samaritan, before he revealed to any of the Uh, Jews, that he was the Son of God. But he also revealed a distinct characteristic about worship that I think that we pay a lot of lip service to, but don't really understand. And so today we're going to talk about that subject. Here on Iron Supplements, we'll talk about worshiping in spirit and truth. So here's that passage from John chapter 4 starting at verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah, called the Christ, is coming, and when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just the fact that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman would uh, cross all the lines of Jewish propriety, Like. This would be the most improper thing that you could imagine a Jewish man, especially one who is a rabbi or a spiritual leader. uh, this This would just be totally out of bounds. First of all, that a man would be talking to a woman alone would be crossing a line. But the fact that he was talking to a Samaritan would be crossing a line even further because the Jews did not see the Samaritans as equals. As a matter of fact, they considered them half-breeds. They they called them dogs. They were not welcome into the fellowship. They weren't welcome in the synagogues and the temples. Uh, in order to uh, be considered a child of God, they would have to convert to Judaism and uh, observe all of the customs just as the Jews did. And even still, they would not be seen as fully Jewish uh and they would always be looked upon with suspicion because they were um, well shall we say not up to the standards uh of Jewish culture and so here's Jesus uh talking with this Samaritan woman, and knowing the fact that that uh it was improper for him to be talking to her. Uh, she pointed that out, but she also brings up this question about worship, and she says, uh, uh, you know, we Samaritans worship on this mountain, but you Jews say that uh, you have to worship in the temple in Jerusalem, so which is it is basically what she's asking. And look, she she conflates two issues here. She has, first of all, the the... Uh, matter of where do you worship like on this mountain or Jerusalem like there's a proper place but then she also uh, brings in this nationalism into it like uh, are the Samaritans right or the Jews right or are you Jews you Jews think that you're better than us and so are you saying that you're better than us and so you don't a uh, lot you know we don't worship correctly so she, this is a huge issue in or between, I should say, the the Jews and the Samaritans because the Jews feel like they're superior, and, and the Samaritans know that the Jews feel like they're superior, and they resent them greatly, and so there's a lot of hatred. And so, if you're on the side that is deemed inferior, you would want to say, hey, you think you're so great, but if you are such a child of God How come you separate yourselves and you say they only can worship here? Isn't this a valid place to worship too? Are we not human? Are we not children of God? Are we not uh, uh, also from the tribes? And and truly they were, at least partially. They had intermingled with uh, the Babylonians, but they were at least half Jewish or uh, some Portion of uh, of being a Jew, and so there's this great resentment between these two cultures, and so what she's bringing up is really a, a deeper question than it appears on the surface, and Jesus addresses both issues, both the nationalism and the the place the, of worship, and what he says is neither. <laughs> Neither one of those are important. Like who you are, what nationality you are, what religion you are, what denomination you are, that's not important. Uh, uh worshiping on this mountain, that's or or at the temple, uh that that that's not going to matter anymore. Because that's not how God is. God is spirit. He's not a nationality. He's not he doesn't choose favorites. He doesn't pick one child or the other. We're all his children. And so, the fact that you're a Samaritan doesn't matter. You are one of God's children. Now, for a Jewish man to hold a Samaritan woman in such esteem was shocking. Shocking. And then, to say that the temple over there that is the very a uh, symbol of where god sits is nothing would be equally shocking like if if the jewish people heard jesus say this to this woman they would have stoned him on the spot <laughs> there would not have been any trial they would have just taken him and stoned him right there for blasphemy uh, because in their mind the temple was where god was And they were God's children, and the Samaritans were impure. And so, Jesus really shows something shocking here. And He reveals this, and He says it with authority. He says, I have the authority to say these shocking things because I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. I am the one that you knew was coming who is explaining everything. And here I am. I'm explaining everything. Now, here's what you need to know about worship. Worship does not take place within your nationality, your denomination, your background. It does not take place in the synagogue or the church building or the the temple. It takes place in the spirit. It takes place in spirit and in truth. And so what does that mean? What does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? Growing up in the denomination that I grew up in, I kind of got what I believe now to be a very warped sense of what worship is. In our denomination, what we valued above all things was having the correct doctrine. We were focused in on knowing the truth and doing things the right way. As a matter of fact, there was kind of a joke that wasn't such a joke, in that our denomination believed that they were the only ones going to heaven. And I say it wasn't really a joke. I I believe that that was played out, uh, that, that there were truly uh, believers who, who felt that way, that we were the only ones who had the correct doctrine. And so, uh, we, I really appreciate uh, the fact that we focused in on the Bible. Like, I have a rich heritage of loving the Bible, and and I have a deep connection with the Word because of that background. I mean, I, there's nothing I love more than to really get into Scripture and to search it and to try to know the mind of God. And so that, that background has really ingrained that into me, and, and it's invaluable to my life. It is something that I appreciate so much. And yet, in that, we would so much look for the correct ways of doing things that we would lose sight of the object of our worship. In other words, uh, for us, the correct way to worship, uh, if we were singing, would be to sing a cappella. And then, of course, we had to have our prayers done in just the right way. We had to always uh, uh, conclude our prayer, In Jesus' name, Amen. If somebody just skipped the In Jesus' name part and went straight to the Amen just said, uh, amen. Oh, you would hear an audible gasp. He <gasps> forgot to say in Jesus' name because we're supposed to ask everything in Jesus' name, and so we were so focused in on how to do things, saying the the the, the right things, uh, preaching the right uh, doctrine, uh, yeah, making sure that we had communion every Sunday. If you did not. Uh, participate in communion. Well, then you didn't really uh, worship that week. <laughs> you, you had to make it the next Sunday, otherwise you you may be in in uh, the the throes of eternal damnation. You know, uh, just hope you don't die that week or anything like that, because uh, you you don't want you can't miss out on communion because that is the center of our worship, and. uh, it's so funny that we, we focused a lot on truth, like getting though when Jesus says that you must worship in spirit and truth, we focused in on the truth part. Like well that was that was we got that. You know, we got the truth part. But worshiping in the spirit we didn't get. Like like somehow we took out the spirit and we just put spirit. Like we're supposed to worship in spirit and in truth, but it's not worshiping in little s spirit and truth like in our spirit but worshiping in the spirit capital s the holy spirit and what i missed out on is that connection to the holy spirit so i'm constantly trying to hammer this point so i hope that you're getting it that we are spiritual beings, and that in order to encounter the Holy Spirit, in order to connect with a spiritual God, a holy God, we must constantly be about shedding our physical nature, our physical desires, and embracing our spiritual nature, embracing what the Spirit desires. And so, Jesus said it this way, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, we all know that the cross was a form of crucifixion, right? The, of, of death. It was a form of death. And there's, so, there's this idea that there's a part of us that has to be crucified, that has to die. And that part of us is ourself, our fleshly, earthly, carnal nature, our desires, our desires our physical desires. And that needs to die so that we can follow Him, so that we can embrace his life, his life in ours, so that we can have His Spirit live in us, and so that we can have contact with Him in the heavenly realms. And so, uh, Paul said it this way, "'I urge you, brothers and sisters, "'in view of God's mercy, "'to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He said that what worship is, is to be a living sacrifice. Now, two words never went together. (laughs) These two words don't go together. Living and sacrifice. We all know that a sacrifice has to die, right? And so, how do you become a living sacrifice? Well, there's something that must live and there's something that must die. And just as Jesus said that there's something that must be crucified in order for us to live, that's what Paul is saying here, that our act of worship, our true and proper worship, is the sacrificing of our fleshly nature and embracing the living spiritual nature that God has intended for us. And so we see that worship is not all of these acts. It is the embrace of the spiritual. And so when we are in worship, do we sing? Oh yeah, but it's not about the song. It is about the expression of our heart's desire. And that is where it really begins, in our heart. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 22 and 23, In my innermost being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging wars against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So there is within us this this desire within our heart to connect with God in our innermost being, in our inner being, we delight in God because that is where the Spirit lives. The Spirit lives within our heart. But this other part is also at work in us, in our flesh. It is that carnal desire, and it is constantly warring with our love for God. And that war, here Paul says, takes place in our mind. It's who has control of our thoughts. And so, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So, Paul is saying here that this war that's going on needs a new set of lenses. In order for us to embrace the spiritual, to worship in spirit and in truth, well, we have to have the truth, but we also have to have the desire to embrace the spirit. And he says in order to do that, he prays that the eyes of the heart may be enlightened, may be opened. So why is it the eyes of our heart? Because the eyes of our flesh are so deceived. The eyes of our flesh deceive us. And as long as we are trying to worship in our flesh, we will never see what God has for us. The eyes of the flesh focus on despair. The eyes of the heart, where the spirit resides, through which we can see the spiritual they help us to know the hope that He has called us to. So which do you want? A world focused on despair? An outlook focused on despair? Your mind focused on worldly things? When we do that, we bring the world into a time of what we call worship. And so we never really connect with God. Have you ever felt like your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling? You ever felt like your singing was just empty? Felt Ever feel like your worship was just going through the motions? Well, that's because you're probably still engaged in the physical and not truly worshiping in spirit and truth. And so when we start to worship in spirit and truth, we see that our worship is not uh, boxed into a time on Sunday morning inside a church building uh, from 9 o'clock to 1030. <laughs> you know, So that, this little hour and a half block of time that we have set aside for worship. No, our worship becomes our daily being. It is the constant shedding of our flesh and encountering the Spirit. And when we encounter the Spirit, our very lives look different. And when we encounter people, In the Spirit, we do so in love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control. And that's what the world sees in us. They see the very nature of God in us. And that is holy and pleasing to God. Brothers, I urge you in light of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God which is your spiritual act of worship. That's my desire for you. To be able to shed your fleshly desires to connect and encounter the Spirit of God daily so that you will be in constant contact with our Heavenly Father. And when you are, you'll know what worship is. It's not the time that we spend on Sunday mornings together. It is our communion with our loving Father. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Iron Supplements. I hope you'll join me next time. I'll see you.